What's up, buddy? Oh, not too much. Hey, so I'm thinking that for the fantasy MASL, because I'm looking at the games, and we can basically do Friday through Sunday because there's a to choose from, so... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Are you ready to go? Do you want to... Okay, so do you want to do everything tonight? I would, unless you want to do a different part, a different day, but, I mean, I I have family coming in on Sunday. I have games tomorrow. No, excuse me, I have practice tomorrow and then I have games Friday. So, I mean, it's up to you, whatever you want to I'm, do. I'm free tomorrow. Yeah, I can do tomorrow. So, okay. what, yeah, we, just want it, we can just do the review today. Review and picks, and then go from there. Yep, sounds good. Okay. Right, ready? Let's go. What's up, guys, and welcome back to one of the volley with Jeremy and Matt. And I'll tell you what, Matt, we had an exciting weekend of soccer yeah yeah i mean this this week was a, a really really good week um some statement wins by some teams oh absolutely so i, I mean and and some teams that messed up my picks as well so yeah so, you know. which uh yeah we will uh the the picks we'll get into and then the next episode we're getting into fantasy so Absolutely, and I'm so excited. I'm so I'm so excited that more people are starting to get on board with this, and it's been really good. I'm really happy with the fact that people want to join us and join into what we're doing. Well, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Um, I remember texting you the other day and saying I lost the spreadsheet. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't lose the spreadsheet. I just didn't want to tell you that you won. Um, oh well, I'm not surprised. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I beat you in picks last week. Yeah. And you beat me in fantasy. Well, you know, as soon as I saw the scores, I'm like, oh crap! I know I lost bids for sure. Yeah. You well, know, I think I think the game that we. Um, disagreed on was the Turlock Sonora game, which ironically yep. is our first game we're gonna go over. Yeah. Um, but I think that was the only game that we we disagreed on. Uh yeah, we we had a little disagreement about Ontario as well. Yeah. I believe I said that I believe I said Ontario was going to definitely win that game, but I was really wrong about that. So Alright, All right. well, let me just, uh, oh, here it is, okay, I actually have the picks on, I'll go over the picks in a little bit, but let's, yeah, let's review, um, last week. Yeah, absolutely, there's a okay. ton of stuff to get to, so yeah, let's do that. Alright, uh, so let's, let's talk about, I mean, like, like we mentioned, first game, Turlock versus Sonora, you and I disagreed on it, but we had both said that it was going to be a really, really close game, and it was. Six yeah. to five for, yeah, for it was. And, you know, here's the thing. If 
I I can't believe I'm saying this, but if you're not on the True Life bandwagon yet, you need to get on it because I'll tell you what, they they are impressive. I mean, yeah, they only won the game by one goal, but they played really, really well. And to be fair, as did Sonora. Yeah, I mean, both teams showed glimmers of, of, of greatness. And, and I thought it was a really, really, really tight game. And as, as you know, I kind of go over the stats and kind of look at stuff and see if there's any, like, trends or patterns yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. This this was fairly even evenly matched. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I looked at the stats for that one, too. And I... I... The scoreline doesn't surprise me when you look at the stat line. It, it really doesn't. Um, like I said, it was a great game. I, I thought both teams played really well. And if, if you're Sonora, you look back at that game and you say, wow, we had we had chances to win this game. And if you're Turlock, hey, we played well enough to win, so we'll take it, you know. Yeah, and I, I mean for for Turlock, you you were you were talking about like jumping on the bandwagon. I'm I'm not on the bandwagon just yet. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for this weekend. Well, and, yeah, and, this weekend's and, going to be huge. Yeah, this this weekend is. I mean, when you when you play, if they go one and one this weekend, I will be impressed, and I I will be on the Turlock bandwagon. But until then, well, you look at the schedule; it, it's it's brutal for them this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and and we'll I mean we'll get into the picks, our picks later. Um, yeah, but I mean when you when you go when you play San Diego in your home arena, and then you go to uh, Ontario to play them at their field. Yeah, and, in, and, in the past, in the past, it's an automatic zero and two. Oh yeah, I I I don't think. Well, it's hard to say to be honest, but here's the thing: I don't think you're going to see a repeat of what happened against San Diego. I I just don't. I think San Diego went into that game a little confident, a little overconfident, and. It burned them, so I don't think they'll go into this game thinking, oh, we're going to run away with this game. I think they're going to take Turlock very seriously. Um, I won't say who my pick is, but I'm just saying, I think it's it's not going to be a runaway game like it was in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a close game, and I'm not going to give away my pick either until later, but... We'll, we'll just leave it at it's going to be a close game. And oh, absolutely. That's off to both I, I teams for, for playing a great game. Um, okay, so the next game was um, the San Diego Soccers facing the Ontario Fury. And I think going into this game, we thought it was going to be like a, an amazing game. And I got to be honest, were you, it, were you it like... fell flat. Were you like me, where you were just utterly disappointed? Because I, I honestly was really, really disappointed in this game. Number one, because I expected more goals to be scored, which really sounds stupid because you look at the two 
goalkeepers and you're probably thinking, are you out of your mind? But then you look at the offensive firepower that both teams have and you really expected more than what you got out of it. And then you look at the way that Ontario played. If you really think about it, up until the fourth quarter, hell, up until the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, we were... If you remember Craig Elston and Nate Alvarez talking about a shutout for Boris Fardum. So, you know, you think about it. The goals that Ontario scored were really, I don't, I hate to use this terminology, but they were garbage goals. They really were. It's like, okay, we scored at the end of the game. And by that point, I don't think they were going to come back anyway. I I expected more from Ontario. I I really thought they felt flat. And, you know, obviously, we'll get into the next game next or later if you want. But it's just, Ontario surprised me this weekend in a very disappointing way. I, I was not impressed with... Ontario at all this weekend. Um, but as far as San Diego goes, hey, you played the game. You had a great defensive performance. You didn't let up a goal until the fourth quarter. You know, if you're San Diego, you got to be really happy about that. And you got to be really happy with the way your defense played. And you got key goals when you needed to. So, all in all, I think it was a good game for San Diego. I I think I'm going to chalk up the low score to, I mean, Phil Salvaggio and Jimmy Norberg kind of know, like, each other pretty well. And, yep. and I'll kind of bring this up later in another game. I, I think these two teams know about each other a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean. So, I, I think you're, you're, you're going to see less goals in those types of games. Right. Um, but it, it was a it was a tale of two halves. I mean, San Diego came out guns a blazing, and they put pressure on Chris Toth, made a couple mistakes. San Diego countered on it, and then in the second half, it was just kind of like, I mean, yeah, Ontario scored two goals. Um, did San Diego take their foot off the pedal? I don't know. Like. It would surprise me if they did. Um, But I think uh, Ontario clamped down a little bit more. and um, Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not taking anything away from San Diego because they won the game. They deserved to win the game. They played better than Ontario did. But I expected more out of both teams if I'm going to be brutally honest, I, I thought that it was it was much a much more of a flat game than I anticipated. Yeah, I, I mean you you could kind of see that being expected from Ontario because it they was didn't their play. first game of the year. Right. right. So, they, I mean, they didn't have, play. And, yeah, I said it last week. They're going to have bumps and bruises and exactly oh, yeah. that's what happened. I mean, they came out flat and didn't really produce much until the end of the fourth quarter. Well, and here's the thing. You look at their two goal scorers in that game. It was Frank Ty, who 
hey, it was a good goal, I'm not taking anything away. And then it was Evan McNeely. So, you know, it's really, and even at that point, I believe they were still down by two at that point, if I remember. I don't think San Diego scored in the second half. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, that's, if I'm not yeah, Ontario, it was, yeah, it ended up being four to two. Yeah. So it was four, four nothing, and then Ontario scored two goals in the right. end of the fourth. And, you know, here's the thing. If I'm, if I'm Ontario, I take that away as a positive because, hey, you shut out a really potent offense that entire second half. But on the flip side, you gave up four goals in the first half. Now, is San Diego, I mean, excuse me, is Ontario capable of scoring four goals? Absolutely. But we also have to remember, San Diego is a very good team defensively as well. Right. So, no matter what they did in that second half, it was still going to be a very difficult mountain to climb, especially because if you combine a good defense with probably one of the best goalkeepers, if not the best goalkeeper in the league, and mind you, um, Boris Partle stood on his head. I don't know if you saw that sequence of like four saves that he made in a row, but that was that was absolutely phenomenal. Well, now, now since we're since we're talking about Boris Pardo and saves, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. If from a fantasy perspective, should I have gotten more points for those? I mean, it's up to you how you calculated. Oh, so I'm calculating. Oh, then I won this week. So, oh, anyway. wow. oh it's funny how that works. I know, right? It's hilarious how that works. Well, you, you keep me. First you tell me, hey, you won, and then you say... Well, then you mentioned the, the, the huge flurry of saves he had, so I think that should count for something. No, I'll, I'll give it to you, because I'll tell you what, that 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 sequence of saves that he made was... It was absolutely mind-boggling. And realistically, if he doesn't make those saves, you're looking at 4-3 with, like, two minutes left. Right. Then you're thinking, okay, maybe this is doable. I'll say this. It's the second, and it, I'm going to be a homer when I say this, but I think that that flurry of saves, it was slightly less impressive than a few years ago, match between Syracuse and Kansas City. Yep. Actually, it was the Missouri Comets, and Brian O'Quinn made five saves. Yep, I saw the video. Yeah. So, it it reminds me of that. I mean, it hypes up the crowd, it gets the crowd going. No, it it really does. But, like I said, if if, if you think about it, you take away one, one of those saves. If he doesn't make one of those saves, you're looking at four three with roughly two minutes left. Yeah, and and he made team of the week for it. I mean, he as well he should have. Yeah, so I mean, hats off to Boris Pardo for for showing up 
in, Absolutely. in both games. And actually, no, he played the first game. Ariaga played the second game. And you so, know what? For, and we'll get into that later. But hey, you know, quietly, San Diego has probably the best goalkeeper tandem in the league. I would I would agree, although I I would put Coughlin and Matt Perella up there as well. No, absolutely. I would put them um, there as well. Yeah. But so, I, I mean but, but know, that tandem is good. I will say this though, it, it, it's if you said you have to be smiling because you're thinking, okay, we started out with Boris Pardo and Chris Toast. And now we have Boris Pardo and Ariaga. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're in really good shape at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll get in. We'll get into the second game here in a second. Um, so the next game was part three of Florida versus Orlando. Yeah. This this time it was the home opener in Lakeland uh, for the Tropics, and I have to admit. 3,100 people. I, I'm kind of disappointed about that. See, now, I, I'll i be honest with you. When, when I saw that attendance, I was thinking, you know what, good for you, because you didn't hardly ever get those numbers last season. And, you know, here's the thing. Granted, it's a whole different team. Roughly, you know, you could argue that it's one of the best teams in the league at this point because statistically they are one of the best teams in the league but at the same time if you're comparing this year to last year if you're Florida you gotta be really happy with that yeah I mean if you're yeah if if you're comparing last year to this year yeah you're gonna be over the moon with 3,000 people but I with the, the level of talent that Florida brought in, I, I mean, maybe it's just the start of something. Maybe they'll get 4,000 right. people at a, at, a, at a later game. But I just, with with that, with Gordy Gerson and Ricardo Cavallo and Joey Tabernese, I mean, the, the list goes on and Steven on. Steven Yeah, a, anybody on that team. Zach Reggett, like... And in, including the the original guys like Lucas Montalaris, Lucas Teixeira, right? Uh, uh, Pereiras, Victor Pereiras. Like, if if you are a fan of indoor soccer, even in even in like Orlando, like drive to Lakeland and and watch these guys. You know, I you know? I, I was thinking about this before we went on air, and I had a question for you because I genuinely don't know the answer to this, and I, and I know you probably do, so I was thinking, with everybody that they signed, how does that work as far as money allocation goes? Because I know there is no salary cap in the MASL, correct? Not to my knowledge. Right, so, so basically, it's a case of if you have the money to go out and get somebody, you can go get whoever you want. Right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, and here's the thing. I think going into this season, Florida was thinking two things. 
One, if we want to attract attention, we have to bring in people that are going to attract the attention. And the only way you do that is by putting in the second part of the equation. You have to win games, right? You have to win games to generate interest. You know, you just do, unless you're Rochester who puts up amazing attendance numbers, even though they're not that good of a team, to say the least. Um, But, you know, here's the thing. When you talk about attendance, as far as where they were last year to where they are now, I I disagree with you. I I don't think you can be disappointed with 3,100 at all. Yeah, and like like I said, I I think like if they if they sit and they sell out the rest of the season, then I I will say it's a success. But I I just think with like thirty one hundred good. Don't get me wrong. I I think that's a great number, and I I hope they get more. Right. And and I, with them winning, I mean them being the top team in the Eastern Conference. Right. I think I think they're gonna drum up more interest. Well, and. Realistically, I I hate to be the pessimist here, but I think it could be a case of we'll, we will generate more interest if and when we make the playoffs. That, that's when I think you really start seeing people come out of the woodwork because that's when teams generate the most buzz. I mean, you saw it all the time up until three, four years ago with the wave where, you know, you would hardly get anybody at games and then we make the playoffs and lo and behold, the U.S. Cellular Arena is full or the UW, UW Panther Arena is full. And that that type of thing makes me really sad because I remember days in the late 90s, the early 2000s where... We were selling out the Bradley Center, which was a major arena in Milwaukee. It's a hockey arena or college basketball arena, and it's no longer there because they built the Pfizer Forum for the Bucks. But, um, you know, I think it's a case in Lakeland where I think you'll see one of two things. Either you're going to see attendance get better each and every game, or you're going to see attendance remain roughly where it is until playoff time comes around. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, with the way they're playing, I mean, anyone within like an hour's drive of Lakeland should be going to those games. It's a nice arena. I've been there, and it's the, the, the fan base is great and like I said the environment's great and right. the games are great so it wouldn't surprise me if attendance went up uh, yep. once people got get the word out uh, about the team um, but I mean back back to the game I mean yeah Orlando, I, I, was, I mean, Orlando was in this game well and the that the whole time. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was just going to say. You know, we talk about Florida, but you look at Orlando in this game, and they were right there 
they were right there. They were in the game, but it's 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 a ca- case of classic Orlando SeaWorld soccer where you make killer mistakes and you lose the game. That that's to me what it is. You know, when you make mistakes that cost you games. And I think Orlando is one of these teams where they don't have the firepower, where they don't have the big names that could score a bunch of goals. So if you put up a few goals on the scoreboard, you have to be able to reduce the amount of mistakes that you make in order to win your games. Because let's be honest, Orlando is nothing like Florida. Orlando is nothing like Milwaukee or Baltimore or Utica or San Diego. You know, they don't have the firepower to score a lot of goals. So as I said, if you put up a few goals on the scoreboard, you have to be able to be what's the word I'm looking for? You have to be able to be solid enough as far as your entire game plan to eliminate the amount of mistakes that you make. And if you look at Orlando, they've made a lot of mistakes in crucial portions of the games that they played this season. Yeah, I mean, they like I, I wrote down, I usually write down like a little note about each game. I mean, the Tropics were in control after the first quarter. Uh, I mean, they, yeah. they took over. And I have to, you know, I, I should take some of the credit for you winning fantasy this week. You just said I lost. Oh, no, no, you won. No, uh, no, you won. Um, but I kind of helped you win this week. Because of... Uh, Ricardo Carvalho, you were going to replace him as your flex player. Yeah, I should probably message him and say thank you. <laughs> um, he had one heck of a game. He had... Two goals, two assists, and I want to say he had some block shots, maybe, or one of the right. other players had a ton of block right. shots. So, um, I mean, hats off to him. He had a great game. Um, now, so it was it was it was a good game, nonetheless, for for Florida. Now, let me ask you this, and we'll get into this more as we get into our picks. But do do you see Orlando as somebody that? If they correct their mistakes, that they can make a respectable season out of this. Because I'll be honest with you, I think Orlando is a very perplexing team in this league because they have times where they play really good soccer. You know, they're making combinations, they're making runs. They're scoring goals, they're playing well defensively, but then they make a mistake that should never be made, and guess what? It turns into points. So, I guess that's my question to you is, is Orlando capable of fixing this season to the point where it's respectable? Because we we both know that they're probably not going to make a run for one of those four spots in the Eastern Division. I, I think we both can agree on that. But it's a case of, let's at least make this 
season respectable? I mean, they have decent talent, but it, a respectable season, I don't, I, I see five or six wins, maybe. I completely agree with you. So I, I don't, I don't see them, I, I see them being competitive with like the Florida, Kansas City, Harrisburg. Yeah. But besides that, I, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't see it. Yeah, no, I, I don't either. And I think I'm hoping that you know. Here's the thing. I I think you would. I'd be surprised if Orlando doesn't kind of do what Florida is doing this year. You know, go out, sign some bigger names, put some talent on your roster. And make yourself competitive. You know, I think Florida, I think you're going to see a lot more teams follow suit in that regard if they have the money to do so. I I mean, granted, not every team has the money to go out and buy the amount of players that, you know, Florida did because I believe if you count if you call it the latest edition of Lucia, I think that's 12 sightings going into this season. So, yeah, it, it's a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of sightings. So, yeah, so with, with with Orlando, it's tough. Like, there's... They're, they're in a, a market where they, they've got to get fans. They've got to get fans in the seats. They've they've got to figure out how to do that first. Well, and I think that's something that we spoke about when we did our little bonus episode. And part of it was we talked about the MASL and what they need to do to help all these teams. But first and foremost, it it goes back to what is your front office doing to make you competitive you know what what are they doing to make you bring people in to watch what you're doing because we both know that the MASL isn't going to sell out every game that it has we know that we've seen the attendance numbers and sometimes it's absolutely laughable for some of these teams and you know I think part of that is you know, there needs to be a growth in interest in the league as a whole, but I think these teams need to reevaluate how they're marketing and how they bring in people to watch these games because the reality is that's the only way you make money. And guess what? The money is how you're going to bring in players. Yep. That's yep. the bottom line. So. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see uh, both of these teams um, with their attendance going forward. I mean, one's going in a in the in a great direction, and the other one, unfortunately, isn't. So we'll have to we'll have to watch right. this and see if it'll if it's a, a continuous thing. Right. No, I agree with you. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next game. It's a game that I've watched a few times. Um, Baltimore versus Utica. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, you know, we we were both wrong about this game. Um, thank goodness for ramen noodles. You know, he he made the difference and he scored the game-winning goal. And, you know, here's the thing. Up until the end of the game, I, I would say that Utica was the better team. And I thought that, you know... I thought Baltimore really, really gave that game away. And I'm not taking anything away from Utica. They deserve the win, obviously. But at the same time, I thought that even going into overtime, Baltimore had their opportunities. They They had so many shots in that fourth quarter. And they still don't get it done. And part of that is credit to Coughlin. Part of that is credit to the defense. Um, You know, obviously, it's a huge win for Utica. And if I'm Baltimore, I'm thinking, hey, we we gave one away there. We really did. Yeah. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. And and this is is coming from the Utica guy, quote-unquote. Um, you're right that Baltimore did give the game away. Um, now I kind of missed the first half. Uh, for some reason, I thought the game was an hour later, so I didn't. I watched the first half, like later on that night, and to me, it looked like Coughlin was a little off. No, he um, was. I mean, I... He gave up. He gave up five goals in the first half. Um. And a lot of them were, the defense got, like, deeped out a little bit by, um, I think Vinny Dantas had one. I think Jamie Thomas had one. It just, and there were close shots. And the reaction time's got to be super, super quick. But, like I said, Baltimore did give it away. The turning point of that game was the handball on Adriana Dos Santos. I completely, 100% agree with you. I I remember when that happened, I said, this is going to change the entire game. And if you go back to the first game in Baltimore between the two teams, Utica was up 4-2 at the half, and what did Utica do? They gave up two goofy penalties... And Baltimore scored on both, the momentum switched, and Baltimore ended up winning. However, this is something I also want people to think about as well. Think about how many restarts Baltimore had that they didn't capitalize on. That's, to me, that's where Baltimore failed, right? Because, first of all, it's a smaller field, so anytime you get a restart chance, you have a really good chance to score gold. I don't care if you're the blast or the visiting team. If you get a restart at CQ Arena, you have a chance to score. And Baltimore had so many restart opportunities in that game that they did not score on that it was just, to me, that's where I think, yes, the handball was a big deal, I, I, I do agree with you. I think that was the turning point of the game. But I also think, 
anytime you give away attempts to score goals, you're not going to win games. And like I said, huge win for Utica. You know, they're up 2-1 to one in the season series, I believe. And, you know, it's huge for them because that could make a huge difference going into the playoffs. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. And it, it I've mentioned this before. It's kind of unfortunate that Utica-Baltimore, their rivalry this season, ends next Sunday. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how each team progresses as the year goes on. Like, are they going to see each other in the playoffs? It's oh, a I possibility. Think so. It's it's kind of funny. Um, someone posted on Twitter: If Utica ended up being the number one seed, which team would they want to play? I oh my goodness, it's it's funny you say that because that's what I was just going to ask you. I was going to ask you if Utica gets the number one seed, do they choose to play Baltimore right away? to potentially get them out of the way. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. No, I I completely agree with you because listen, I I think it's I think it's an even series. I, I think, you know I think Baltimore has the potential to have Utica's number if they don't make the mistakes. Problem is, every game that they played against Utica in this three-game series so far, they've made crucial mistakes, as has Utica. And I think both teams, when they play each other, they need to realize that they need to clean up those mistakes because clearly we saw what happens when you make a mistake. Yeah, and, and I think it, the, the reasoning I gave is, I mean, these teams know each other. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's they, they know each other's strengths and weaknesses, so I, right. I think, right. and, and plus, they've, they've played each other in the playoffs, and Baltimore has always won. Right. So, and I think Utica needs to, like, get that monkey off of their back. Well, and I mean, the reality is there's a really good potential that if they want to compete for the Rod Newman Cup come the end of the season, that they're going to have to get that monkey off their back. They don't, it's not a matter of we want to get that monkey off of our back. You have, you have to at this point. I mean, it, it's... There's no other way to do it besides getting past Baltimore. And if you're Baltimore and you say, hey, listen, you know, we've been in this position before where we're losing games that we probably should not lose. And we all know that Baltimore's going to be there in the end. They always are. And like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how both teams progress because I think you know Baltimore's going to clean up their mistakes and I think you know Ryan Hall is going to clean up the Unicut's mistakes so 
Yeah, I, I mean, barring any sort of, like, crazy injury, I, I just see... I don't know why. I just see Utica and Baltimore being the best matchup for Utica in the playoffs. Is that because you want to get them out of the way, or is it because you genuinely think that they will beat Baltimore? I genuinely think they'll beat Baltimore. <laughs> I, I absolutely do. I, I've said it every year, but I, I'm gonna I'm bound to be right one of these times. <laughs> but but no. I think I think with what Utica has now, and and I, I forgot to mention this in, in before the and, and we talked about it last week, and I'll bring it up again: the addition of Anua Obasi. That game. On Saturday, you saw him, and you had mentioned this. I listened, I actually listened to our podcast today. Yeah. And you were talking about would Anua Obasi be as effective against Baltimore as he was against Harrisburg? And he absolutely dominated. He was. He is that missing piece that Utica needs. To overtake the likes of Baltimore now, and Milwaukee. Now, let me ask you this. Are you more afraid to play Baltimore or Milwaukee? If you were to... Uh, I would say Milwaukee at this point. Um, I would agree with you. I mean, here's the thing. My, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I talking from a Milwaukee perspective here. If you would have told me in the beginning of the year Josh Lemos isn't going to play the entire season, and you would have told me that Rafa Diaz was going to be our number one keeper, I would have been really worried. But, that being said, looking at the way that Rafa is playing, so far this season, I genuinely think Milwaukee has a decent chance to, to shock everybody because I, I really think that going into the injury with Josh, I think people kind of, perhaps, I, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but I had this initial reaction of writing my own team off simply because okay, what are we going to do without a world-class goalkeeper? You know? And then you see Rafa Diaz play, and you're like, holy crap, where did this come from? Well, I I can safely say that last season, I saw Rafa Diaz and that Milwaukee defense stymie Utica. And Utica had a lot of firepower last year as well. Right, right. So, I would say since, I mean, since Utica and Milwaukee haven't really played each other that much. No. And Utica and Baltimore haven't played each other a lot. I think the unknown of Milwaukee would probably hurt Utica more. Well, and you factor in that... You know, obviously, Milwaukee and Utica play this year. And hopefully, that by that point, we have 
the likes of Robert Renault, the likes of Andre Haidback. I mean, you know, it's because let's let's face facts here. Those two guys make a huge difference, and we haven't seen them play yet this season. And here Milwaukee sits at two and one. Yeah, and, so, and I mean, so, on on the flip side, you've got Diego Zuniga still not playing. And Utica has yet to announce another signing. Um, we're waiting on visa issues for that player. So, I mean, we haven't seen, on, on Utica's side, we haven't seen a few guys that could, that are going to be huge contributors as well. Sure. I mean, you know, here's the thing. It, it, if you were to ask me, if I'm Utica, who would I rather play? I, I would say I'd rather play Baltimore. Simply because I know how Baltimore plays. I know what they like to do. I know what how to force them into mistakes. And I think that's a huge advantage. And I, I think the one thing we failed to mention is, depending on seating, that matchup could very well give... Utica home field advantage, and if that's the case, I, I don't see Utica lo- losing that series. I, I well, I, I mean, they had they had home field last season, and we all know what happened. There. Well, they did, but they they didn't have the likes of Bossy either. So, oh yeah, yeah. So I th- I think it'd be different this season. Um, okay. So Harrisburg versus Rochester, we've seen this twice already. Um, the third game was closer than I think we expected. Um, Harrisburg won, uh, I believe it was an eight to four score. Yes, eight to four. I mean, you know, here's the thing. You're right. It's a lot. It was a lot closer. So give Rochester credit there. But again, it goes back to you're making the silly mistakes that you can't afford to make. And Rochester is going to be one of those teams that until they figure out how to play together and until they figure out how to communicate, they're not going to win games. Because you see them making mistakes time after time after time. And on the flip side, you know, where did this Harrisburg team come from? That They are playing really good soccer and I truly believe that they are going to be a team that we are going to be talking about for a while well I hope we talk about them for a while I mean they've been without their their rookie of the year candidate last season Tavoy Morgan he's been hurt you've got Jerger Gibson who plays a little bit he's still recovering from his injury and Dominic Francis, I mean, he has been a beast this season. I mean, what, 10 goals in four games now? Yep. I mean, you're going to see a lot more of that. But let's not forget who they've beaten, okay? They've beaten Rochester. And Rochester. Oh, yeah, and Rochester. <laughs> right, but I, I'm not... Okay, here's the thing. Yes, three of those games that they have won were against Rochester. I get it. I do. 
But I'm not talking about, okay, you beat Rochester. I'm talking about you watch the way that they're playing, not just the result. But you watch the way that they're playing. They're playing some damn good soccer. They are. No, I agree. But it's it's kind of like, you know, I kind of put, it's going to be weird for me to say this. I'm going to kind of put Harrisburg in the same boat as Monterey. Like, Monterey has a great record. But who have they beaten? Well, that's a very good point. You know? But, I mean, you you take Utica and and you take them to a 4-3 to three final. I mean, that's... I mean, that's good. Well, but... and here, here's the other thing, too. You also have to remember that they played the day before. Well, not the day before, but but they played basically back-to-back games. Right. And that's the Stop thing. Me. You know, I, I think... I said it before. I'll say it again. I think Pat Keeley has done an amazing job with this team. You could talk about, yes, they played Rochester. Yeah, they played Rochester, but you still have to play good soccer to win games, and that's what they're doing. And do I think they're going to do it against the good teams? I I don't know. You know, if they play the way that they've been playing, it would not surprise me to see them keep winning games. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. And, and I, I think if if a team, as of right now, if a team were to fight for that fourth playoff spot, Harrisburg would be like the first team. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you were to ask me who that fourth team is going to be, it's probably going to be between Kansas City and Harrisburg. I I truly believe that's going to be your battle for fourth place in this division. And here's the thing. As far as Rochester goes, it, it's really difficult for me to watch because anybody that knows Soccer Sam knows that he has a passion for this team. He has a passion for this city. And I I really struggle to see Rochester having more than maybe one, two, three wins. And that, that bothers me because we know how passionate the fans are. We know how passionate Sam is. And it, it just bothers me. And, and I really hope that Doug Miller can find a way to get this group to understand how to play the game properly and execute when they need to execute, defend when they need to defend, not give up on plays like we've seen them do. You know, because a lot of these games, it seems like as soon as they get down by two or three, they're just like, well, screw it. You know, and you you can't have that attitude when you're playing against teams like Utica and teams like Harrisburg. I mean, you you can't 
have that mentality of, well, if I get down by two or three, my head's going to drop and I'm just going to stop playing. Yeah, so I mean, I really... but but you got to give give credit to Rochester. They they were down eight to two, and instead of like just throwing in the towel, they did they did score a couple goals in the fourth quarter, and they made it respectable. Yeah. So I mean, you can only go up from here. But and, I mean, um, I think I mean I don't think they play this weekend, if I remember correctly. No, they, they don't. don't. So they their don't. next game is against Baltimore in Rochester. So we'll we'll see what happens well, when they and I Baltimore. Mean, you know, here's the thing. And I I've spoke about these with Rochester since the beginning of the season. When you give up a really high number of goals and you constantly have to dig your way out, it, it's extremely difficult to expect to win any games because what this is their fourth game correct uh three against Harrisburg one against Utica so yeah four and in those games in every single one of those games if I'm not mistaken they've given up more than seven goals per game uh yes that is a telling stat right there because it just it proves my point to where if you're giving up a crazy amount of goals every game, you cannot realistically say, "Hey, we're only going to be able, we're going to be able to score enough goals to get back into games." You're just not going to be able to do it. Yeah, okay, they were down eight to two. They scored two more. But the fact is, they were down eight to two. So right. There, right. There was... Yeah. I know. I just it, it it kind of teams sometimes will like take their foot off the gas, reserve their legs. Um, but Rochester didn't, and that's I I think that's kind of a testament to what Doug Miller is preaching and play to the final whistle. And I think you and I know that Rochester's not going to do this every single game. No. Um, It's just a matter of getting the guys used to playing uh, this game. Yeah. I mean... So, so yeah. I mean, that's... uh, We'll we'll see what happens with Rochester and with Harrisburg. I mean, their schedule's probably going to get tougher. I, I mean... They're, they're going to have to to play Utica next Saturday. So we'll yep. see what happens in that game. Um, yeah. All right. So the next game, I I, I was hoping and, and praying this game was going to be close. Dallas versus Monterey. And it, <laughs> it was close for three quarters and about a minute into the fourth quarter. And then yeah. Monterey flipped on a switch and just took over and won the game 10 to 6. Well, and you know, here's the thing. I, I don't like to make comparisons, but but it reminded me so much of the Milwaukee versus St. Louis series where, you know, Milwaukee was down and then they just flip a switch. And they score a plethora of goals when they need to. 
That's exactly what Monterey did, and we saw the result. I mean, you're right. It was relatively close up until a minute into the fourth quarter, and I I was extremely disappointed in the lack of effort that Dallas showed in the fourth quarter because, hey, you're right there going into the final 15 minutes and you basically collapse. And then you look at Monterey on the other hand and kudos to them for being able to flip on that switch and get what looked like an easy win, even though it really wasn't an easy win. The scoreboard, the scoreboard shows that it was, but it wasn't. Yeah, I, it kind of—I mean, it's—it's it's good for Dallas that yeah they they showed it wasn't a fourteen to one blowout like the last time they played Monterey and. When Monterey took the lead in the fourth quarter, Dallas did tie the game again. Yeah, no, they did. It, it's just... But then with Monterey, I mean, they, they flipped something and goals just started going in. And Well, and I'll be honest with you, I just don't think Dallas has the firepower to keep up with a team like Monterey and... I think Monterey does have that ability to say, okay, let's get our butts in gear and finish up this game. And that's exactly what they did. So credit to them. Um, You know, like you said, I think for Dallas, this is positive and negative because, you know, we've stayed in the game up until the fourth quarter and then you kind of collapsed. Um, but then again, it's the same old story where you're making mistakes that cost you games. And, you know, again, I think Dallas is one of those teams that isn't really going to compete for anything this season. But I, I think you're starting to see them realize that, hey, we have to play better defensively in order to stay in games. Because like you said, it wasn't a case where it was, okay, it's a 14 to one game. No, it it was 10 to six, which again, on paper looks like a pretty lopsided game, but it wasn't. So kudos to Dallas and really kudos to Monterey for being able to finish the game out. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, going forward and, and, it's going to be interesting to see Dallas. Yeah, Dallas does kind of remind me of St. Louis. I mean, they have the potential to be a spoiler, but they're only like playing three out of the four quarters. Like it's right. They they struggled to put that final piece together to finish yeah. out game finish out games when they need to. And, and I think it's kind of weird. Well, it's not really weird, but I think a lot of these games came down to the fourth quarter this week. I mean, Baltimore oh, Utica came down to the fourth I, quarter. Yeah, I mean, Dallas I... Monterey, like... Yeah, I completely agree with you. So, I mean, now speaking of St. Louis, um, they played Kansas City, 
And I think you and I both had Kansas City winning this game. We we did. And we and were you know, wrong. <laughs> and you know what? Credit to St. Louis. I think they played one hell of a game. And again, if you're Kansas City, you you let one go in this game. Um, I I still don't think that St. Louis has the ability to put us all in four quarters together. Yeah, okay, you got the first win of the season. Congratulations. But, let's be honest, Kansas City had chances to win that game in overtime as well. So, well, Kansas City fought back. I mean, St. Louis was up, what, 4-1? to one, And a few well, other times they were up a few goals. But Kansas City clawed their way back. No, yeah, and that was going to be my next point, is that for St. Louis, again, you have the lead by more than one goal, and you let the other team come back. And that that's, that is the trend for St. Louis in every game that they have played. Every single game that they played, they've had a lead, and they've lost the lead. Every yeah. game. But I think with with this game, and this is the interesting stat that I saw. St. Louis outshot Kansas City 8-1 to in overtime. You could tell Kansas City was really, really tired going into overtime. It, right. I think it was just a matter of who wanted it more. And, I mean, overtime was great. Hammerski had a, a bunch of great saves. Paulo had some saves. There were some yeah. defensive things that happened. And I think St. Louis wanted it more. And obviously, you... I mean, they, they came out on top. Okay, so let me ask you this. Is this a turning point for St. Louis? I, I mean, I don't think... I, I still think St. Louis is, like, towards the bottom of the, the conference, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I think it's a momentum builder. Right. No, I, I agree. I think it's a good way to help your team move forward. But at the same time, there are things that I saw during the course of that game that just, it makes me question St. Louis a lot. Because again... Every game they've had the lead, and every game they've let the other team come back. Now, granted, they played Milwaukee in two of those games, right? So, you know, it's very difficult to keep a team like Milwaukee off the scoreboard for an entire half. But, you know, you're looking at the Kansas City-St. Louis game and you're looking at a St. Louis team that had a three-goal lead and the game ends up going into overtime. Yes, you outside Kansas City 8-1 to one in overtime. Yes, you got the win. But it should have never win in the overtime. If you do your job defensively, I guarantee you that game never goes to overtime. Right. Oh, no. I, I completely agree. I just think they wanted to 
give their fans something to to cheer about. And, and that's they dug down, they they got the win, and yeah, I mean they they could have won it easily in regular time. Um, give credit to Everton for for whatever he said before overtime. The the guys heard it and they they followed through. All right, second question about this game. If you're Leo Gibson, do you take this as a positive or a negative? Because you were down by three, you clawed your way back, you got to overtime, and you lost. Yes, it sucks that you lost. Yes, it stings a little bit. But you clawed your way back to get into overtime. So, if you're Leo Gibson, are you... Are you in a weird way, happy with this result? I don't think so. I, I think, I think if I'm if I'm Leo Gibson, I I think the game could have been decided. I mean, they they could have done more in overtime. Like when you get outshot eight to one in overtime, that that doesn't show like a, a importance. Like you, you want to win the game. And oh, absolutely. So I don't, I don't think that this is. I don't think Leo Gibson is really, really happy with the result. Right. Um, so I, I'm going to say no. I, I, I think he's going to well, take that, and maybe he'll use it as a coaching tool for his players going forward. Because, well, because I love to play devil's advocate, I, I disagree with you. I, I'm not going to say he's happy with the result, but I'm going to bring up two things. Number one, you were down by three. You got it to overtime. The second thing people need to realize is you spent all that time clawing your way back to get it into overtime. Of course, you're going to be tired. Of course, you're going to probably not have the legs that you did in the first, second, third quarter. But, that being said, you are absolutely right. If you're out shot 8-1, to one, it doesn't really say that you won the game, but I, I, I truly believe that they expended all their energy getting back into the game that by the time overtime came around, they were just they were just out of gas. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's a matter of okay, we, we have to condition more or what they need to do. But I, I think if you're Leo, you you're not happy because you lost, but on the flip side, hey, you know, we clawed our way back. We put ourselves in a position to potentially win the game. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it both ways. Um, but I, I just think as as a, I mean, you, if, if you're, now you're a coach, so, I mean, you, you probably have, you, you've probably been here before where if your team is down by a couple goals and they come back and they have a chance to win it in overtime and, and they fall. I mean, is it, how would you, 
I wish. Is it is it a positive? I was just in this position last night, actually. Um, it wasn't that we had the lead, but here's here's the thing. And my situ- my situation was a little different, but it's kind of similar. So, first ten minutes of the game, the other team gets an injury with their goalkeeper. It's a pretty bad head head injury. He has to leave the game. They don't have a backup goalie. So they have to put a field player in goal. So I'm thinking, okay, we're in good shape. We're going to win this game pretty easily. We ended up drawing the game in overtime. And, you know, here's the thing. We had chances to win the game in overtime. We didn't execute. Am I happy that we tried? No. But we didn't drop any points. So, so I mean, if I'm, if I'm in the position that Leo Gibson is, where my team is down by three and I claw my way back and I get into overtime, am I happy that we lost? Absolutely not. But am I, am I happy that we were able to our way back in to potentially win the game absolutely absolutely because we all know that if if you get down by a certain number of goals it becomes very challenging to work your way back so for Kansas City to do that I think speaks volume of the character of their team and on the flip side, I think it shows St. Louis that even though they won the game, they have to be better defensively. Because clearly, if you're giving up a three-goal lead, you're not doing something correctly on the defensive end. So, right. yeah, I, yeah. Like I said, I, I just, I think Kansas City. On, on paper is a better team than St. Louis. I um, yeah, I completely agree. So it, it just kind of it, it. I was taken back a little bit about how it went into overtime and how they just St. Louis. I don't know if St. Louis was just a lot sharper than Kansas City or if Kansas City were just kind of like out of gas. So I mean, it's well, and I mean. If you look at this St. Louis team, they, they've done a lot of things well this season. I mean, they're putting pressure on teams. They're putting enough pressure on teams where they're making teams make mistakes. But I think the Achilles heel is, like you said, you have to be able to put four quarters together. And... Yeah, they won in overtime, but they let a big lead go. So, and you can kind of, I mean, it's kind of similar. Let's look at the other, then let's look at the other overtime game, Baltimore-Utica. Utica was down by two. They clawed their way back. They eventually took the lead. And then, then Baltimore gave, scored. They gave it right back. They gave it right back. So both teams going into overtime are probably both tired, 
and Utica just out outplayed Baltimore. And I think it's a case of wanting it more. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I I see it from both sides. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you could make an argument for both sides when it comes down to. Yep, I agree. All right. So now let's go to the game we also missed. Um, And I think a lot of people missed this, except Tacoma Stars fans. I mean, Tacoma at home against Ontario, uh, they looked really sharp against the Fury. No, yeah, they they really did. All credit to them. They played... That was probably the most complete game that I've seen them play all season. And, you know, here's the thing. And I don't want to focus on the theory a lot, but I I do have a question for you about this game. Do do you think that it, it was a case of Ontario playing against San Diego in San Diego, and then they had traveled to Washington to play. Um, uh, I'm sorry, not Washington. Uh, yeah, yeah, they went to Tacoma, Washington. Yeah, That's yeah, I'm right. sorry. I, apparently, I'm terrible at geography. So. <laughs> I got you covered. Don't worry. Yeah, thank you for that. But do you do you think it's a case of? Part of it being that they played against San Diego and they were tired. I mean, I'm not making excuses. By all means, Tacoma outplayed them. It wasn't even, to me, it wasn't even close on who was the better team. But at the same time, you are playing a really good team in San Diego and... That's not easy to do, and then turning around and going all the way to Washington to play against the Stars. You know, I'm going to say, I think if Ontario had the same day's rest as Tacoma, they still wouldn't have won this game. No, I I completely agree with you, and so far, i got to be honest with you. My biggest disappointment in the MASL thus far is Ontario. I, I'm really disappointed in what Ontario has brought to this start of the 2019-20 season. I, I am absolutely disappointed in them. You know, I expected them to be a little rusty against San Diego, but I, I, I expected them to, quite frankly, run over Tacoma. And you and I disagreed about that when we were talking about it last week. You said it was going to be a close game, and you also said that Ontario was going to win the game, as did I. But it wasn't, to me, on paper and on the field, it wasn't even close. Yeah, um, the note I made on this game was it looks like Tacoma had a power play goal in the fourth quarter, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that no, might have been the game-winning goal, and then 
uh, Tacoma scored a couple of sixth attacker goals, and, and there you have it. I mean, I, I think Ontario is going to be okay. No, I, they're, starting, I, they're starting off a little shaky, and Jermaine Jones was not in the lineup. No, he, against Tacoma. He, no, that's because he was hurt in San Diego. I don't know exactly what happened, but he got hurt. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's oh not a lot of your like offense, but at the same time, he's a huge playmaker. So you didn't well, have him in the lineup. Yeah. Um, and and I think starting off the season that way, like two games on the road against two playoff contenders, it's it's gonna be tough. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I think I think Ontario's gonna be just fine. They're gonna find their footing. Uh, but I I truly thought that they would have better showings than what they did in these two games. And oh, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. So I think uh, when we do our picks for this week, I, I think these two games for Ontario are going to be key going forward. Oh, now, absolutely. I mean, they have 22 games left. So absolutely. If, if they go 0-4, they still have time to go 18 and or 20-4 and for the rest of the season. Well, yeah, I, I need. I, I think they need to start building momentum. Are they well, going right. to this and week? That's the we'll thing. see. That's the thing, and you're absolutely right. If if you lose these next two games, you're putting yourself in a really bad position because you still have to play San Diego again. You still have to play. Ironically enough, you have to play Toronto, and that's not a guaranteed win. So, you know, I, I I think if you put yourself at maybe, I would say probably, I don't know if they'll win both games, but even if they can win one out of the three or one out of, out of the two, that puts them at one and three. So, I mean, yes, it's not anything to write home about, but again, I, I think Ontario is going to be fine. I think, you know, it's just they have to clean up some things, and they have to you know, they have to put everything together. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the final game of the week was San Diego versus Sonora. Um, a 6-3 victory for San Diego, and we saw the uh, debut of Diego Arriaga. Yeah, uh, first of all, credit to Diego. He played really, really well. But I also want to give credit to Sonora here because the first half they played really well. As a matter of fact, they had the lead in the first half. So, you know, credit to... San Diego for doing what they knew and proving a switch that second half. But I'll tell you what, you know, if if I'm Sonora, that scoreline doesn't dictate how that game was played. It it just doesn't. No, that game, you know, I 
that game was really physical. I mean, there was a lot of, like, chippy play, especially towards the end of the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, apparently um, I didn't see this because I didn't watch the entire game, but uh, apparently there was a punch that was thrown that was not cold. Well, here's the thing. I, I did watch the game, and I, I watched it several times. Um, the player from Sonora was trying to tackle Brandon Escoto. Uh, he was trying to get the ball. Escoto scored. The guy was trying to punch the ground. And Craig Elston, Nate Abarea said the same exact thing. The guy was trying to punch the ground. He accidentally punched Brandon Escoto. And right. it was very, very apologetic once he did it. And I think... He, he was trying to say, oh, I'm sorry, I, w- I meant to hit the ground because he was right near him. Um, the call that got me was um, towards the end where, where Taylor Bond, like, I don't know if it was like a body check, but it, I don't know if he got pushed into the guy. Yeah, um, I, yeah. But, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see if there's any sort of, like, suspensions that happen from that because... I don't know if bench is cleared, um, but it'll be. Yeah, I might. I might have to go. There. I might have to go rewatch that fourth quarter because I didn't see much of it. It was pretty late, and I had a game that day, so I didn't get to see as yeah. much as I wanted to. But yeah, I heard it was pretty uh, physical and pretty action packed. Yeah, it was very physical. I mean, the the key stat I took from it was San Diego out, outshot Sonora ten to one in the second. Right. So I mean, they they had the lead going into the second second half and maintained right. it. And I mean, Ariaga played a great game, and, and the defense showed up again. Well, that was two straight. That was two straight games. And I think if you're San Diego. And let's not forget that Craig Tiles didn't play part of this game either. Right. So, you know, I think if if you're San Diego, you got to feel really good about your goalkeeper situation. As I said before, I, I, I think that if for some reason Boric doesn't get to play, I, I don't think you worry at all. No, I, I think, you know, it, it is it is kind of similar to what San Diego had a, a few years ago with Chris Tosin. Yeah, Bo- it really Parno. is. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a great one-two combo to have. Um, oh, absolutely. Goalies, keeping each goalie fresh. You um, know, and, and it's funny because you and I said a couple weeks ago when Milwaukee played Florida and then they went to St. Louis that we both said that uh either Matt was going to play or the new guy that we signed and Rafa ended up playing both games and so it makes you wonder do you think Milwaukee doesn't have confidence in their backup keeper situation I I, I think they should have confidence I mean Ceballos no, is, is, is a good keeper he is a great keeper and you still have Matt Isold. I mean he, he, he hasn't played a lot of games, and neither has Ceballos, but they're both good backup keepers. And right. I, I think you'll see them 
like I said, I think like maybe eighteen six. Right. Or. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think they should have confidence. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think the Miles is going to be a good addition for us. I think. I truly think Milwaukee should give Matt Icehold a chance because he is a quality keeper as well. So, all right, well, let's get into our picks because there's a lot of games to go over. Okay. So, let me get them. Hang on. Okay. Okay, I got them here. I had to, I had to write them down. Okay. So, the first one on my list is San Diego at Turlock. Oh, well, if you were to base it on the first matchup, I'd go with Turlock, but again, I I don't think that happens. I think San Diego rebounds, and they learn their lesson, and they take Turlock seriously, and they win the game, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout for San Diego by any means. I think San Diego wins by one or two goals, but that's it. Okay. So, I I thought about this game a lot, and I had I had my sheet and I had my picks all written out, and I'm gonna stick to my pick. I'm gonna take Turlock in this one. Wow! I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take Turlock, and and. I'm ready to punch my, get my ticket to, to get on the Turlock bandwagon, but I, I, I'm almost there. And I, I think, yeah, I think going into this game, yeah, San Diego is not going to take them lightly as no. they shouldn't, but it is still Turlock. You're playing in well, Turlock. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, Turlock has been a few good story of the MASL thus far. And, you know, you would love to see that keep going for them. And I think if, if Turlock can say that they beat San Diego twice in a row, I think people would start thinking, okay, maybe Turlock is a playoff team. Yeah, I mean it, it is it is one of those feel good stories, and I and I hope they keep it going. And obviously, if I'm picking them, I, I think they will. Um, but I think at some point, unfortunately, I think Turlock's going to kind of fall back down a little bit. I mean, I don't I don't see them going twenty three and one this season. No, not but I don't either. I don't see them going. One in, or well, three in twenty-one. I I think they're a nine or ten win team this year. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's around a, a good number. Okay, so we've got Tacoma at Ontario. Uh, that, that's a hard one again, based off of how uh, uh, Tacoma played against them at home. But I truly think that Jimmy Norberg is going to get this Ontario team 
going in the right direction. So I'm going to take Ontario. I agree with you. Um, I, I think I think Ontario kind of got into the swing of things during that Tacoma game. Yeah. And I think you're going to see Chris Toth be Chris Toth. Like, yes. I, I don't know if it was his defense that threw him off or if it, he was just having a bad game. Um, right. But I think from here on out, I think in order for Ontario to be super successful, I think Chris Toth is going to have to play a little better, but yeah, I mean, his defense is going to have to be better as well. And, and I think having a game at home, their home opener, I, I, I just think Ontario is going to win this game. No, I, I completely agree. I think Ontario was... In, in these first two games, I think Ontario got a wake-up call because I don't think... I mean, I, I, every team wants to win every game, but I don't think Ontario expected to go 0-2 in the first two games. Right. Yeah, so we are in agreement on that one. Now, the next game... I'm going to call it the game of the week. Okay. I think. Baltimore heads to Florida to face the undefeated Tropics. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's going to be probably the most scintillating match of, of this week. I mean, you have a Baltimore team that's, that's just coming off of a loss to Utica, and, but on the flip side, it's again. I hate to use this old cliche, but it's it's Baltimore, and you never can write off Baltimore. And then you look at Florida, who you know is undefeated and who has played really well in every game that they played. So you know what? I'm gonna lean towards Florida in this one. Okay. Well. You kind of made the argument for me. So I'm taking Baltimore in this one. It's still Baltimore. And I don't think I have ever seen Baltimore go under 500, have an under 500 record. They They did last year. Oh, they did? In the very beginning of the season. I believe they did, yeah. Okay, well... I don't remember it. I don't remember a lot of things really for Baltimore, but two and three. Do not Baltimore team going two and three just doesn't. I I think that's gonna yeah motivate. I think it's gonna motivate Danny Kelly. I agree, but I also think that this Florida team is as good as advertised. I think. You know, one of the things we said about this Florida team was, are they going to be able to come together? And they have. They have 100% come together the way that they needed to in order to be successful. You know, you look at this team and everybody's contributing in one way or another, whether it be Carvalho, whether it be, uh, you know, Zach Reagan, whether it be... You know, defensively, they're playing well. And so I I think Florida's got the edge in this one. Again, it's not going to be a runaway game, but I think 
Florida goes to five and zero. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, being a Utica fan, I kind of hope Baltimore wins so we could have a tie at the top. Um, right. Florida and Utica. But I, I, I still think it's, like you said, it's the blast. And I think Baltimore will find a way to win. And they always usually find a way to win in huge games for yeah. the most part. I mean, in the playoffs last year, they beat Utica in that mini game. They found a way to win. And towards the end of right. the season last year, they found a way to win. I, I think you'll see that from Baltimore this week. No, yeah, I, I you know, it's going to be a close game. I just, I just think Florida is that good that they could get past the blast. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be a great game, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, okay, so Milwaukee's playing this week. And they're taking on Orlando in Orlando. I don't think you have to ask. All right. So I'll put you down for Orlando winning their first game of the year. Perfect. Yeah. Try again, buddy okay. boy. <laughs> yeah. I think you and I are in the same boat. Uh, Milwaukee's going to win this. Um, no, no doubt in our minds. Nope. Yeah. So, uh, I mean... Is it going to be a close game? Nope. If, if, well, if Orlando plays like they did against Florida in Lakeland, I can see that happening. But Milwaukee having a week off, I don't know. I I would say three goals. Yeah, I, I say Milwaukee wins by four. Okay. So, so around, around the same. Yep. All right. Kansas City goes to Mesquite to play the Outlaws. That's a tough one. Uh, you know, I, based off of what I saw Mesquite do before, I, I'm going to take Mesquite. I agree. I mean, they almost beat Monterey. And they they took care of Dallas, so and they didn't play last week. So I think the momentum is going to swing towards Mesquite, especially. Yeah, after, no, I I completely agree with you. Especially after Kansas City losing such a heartbreaker to St. Louis. Now, yeah, they have to go and do the Mesquite and Dallas back to back. Like some other teams I know are going to have to do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I see Mesquite uh, coming out on top on this one. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think here's the thing if, if Kansas City shows up offensively, I think they have a chance to win this game. Well, what I was going to say is. They're, the goalie for Mesquite, I think it's Eduardo Cortez, stood on his head against Monterey. And I kind of see that happening again against Kansas City. No, yeah, and I think... I, I see him shutting down the comments, and it would not surprise me if he was in the running for Team of the Week. Yeah. I'm not taking him in fantasy, but it wouldn't surprise me. Right. Okay. Um, so, Baltimore and Orlando 
play uh, the next game, and it's in Orlando. Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, both teams are playing the the night before. Um, Baltimore I, doesn't you know, have to travel far. Yeah, I, I see Baltimore winning this one as well. Well, and I mean, think about this too. The team that Orlando has to play is Milwaukee. I mean... That yeah, that that bad, really back to back. that really helps out Baltimore. Yeah, that's that's a fun back to back for any team. <laughs> play yeah. play the two finalists for the Eastern Eastern Conference last year. Right back. here, you, here you go. Have fun. Yeah. Oh, Owen, Owen, five, Owen, six is what you're going to end up being. Go, go. Um. <laughs> all right. So as we mentioned, Kansas City plays in the ski. The next night, they play in Dallas. Ooh, you know, believe it or not, I'm going to take Kansas City, but I would not be surprised if Dallas pulls off the upset. Well, we're going to disagree on this one. I'm going to take Dallas. Um, I think Dallas kind of showed last week what they're capable of doing, and you kind of saw. Right. I mean, you, you, you Freddie Bujan scored a few goals, so I think his confidence is is going up and up and up. Right. And I think the guys around him are kind of gravitating towards that. And I I just think I think Dallas is going to take advantage of an already tired Kansas City team. No, and like I said, I. Well, I'm taking Kansas City, but with an asterisk because I I do think Dallas has the potential to win this game. Oh yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think most of these games that we're picking, you can kind of make an argument for the other team, like how yeah. they're going to yeah. win. Like, with the uh, with the thing about this year, most of the time. You could pick either team to win a game, and you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's been, knock on wood, it's been fairly balanced. Yeah. So, I mean, the next the next two games are out, out west, and it's Turlock and Ontario. Oh, boy. Uh, you know... Ontario has lost to San Diego and Tacoma. Granted, I think they'll get off the slide in their third game, but I think Turlock beats them. Wow. Okay. So you're taking Turlock on the road. Yep. Okay. Well, once again, we are going to disagree. I think I think Ontario, the, the wheels are going to start turning. And, and we saw this with San Diego earlier in the year. Yeah, they lost to Turlock, Cal. But right. they, started, they started playing better, and you saw more cohesion. No, yeah, they did. I mean, I'll, I'll give it to them. And I mean, here's the thing. If, if Turlock can beat Ontario on the road, then that's a huge confidence booster because... Absolutely. Yeah. If if Turlock ends this week at 
four and two, then I think you'll see more people starting to jump on the Turlock cow. Absolutely. I self included. I one hundred percent agree. I mean if they go if they go 0 and 2 this week, it's not the end of the world. No, I think it's but, gonna be a minor it's gonna be a minor setback. Um I mean but if I they don't go see that happening, but if if they go 0-2, is it a case of here we go again type of thing? No. I, I don't think Express fans push the panic button just yet. I mean you're still I you agree. still are gonna have to face like Monterey and, and San Diego and Ontario some more, but You've shown that you can beat those teams. Like they, yeah, no, I, I agree. With they've, they've beaten Sonora. I mean, yeah, that that was a one goal game, but um, I think it's gonna be, you know, honestly, I think it's gonna be a one goal game. And Turlock seems to do. Yeah, no, I, I think. I'm telling you what, right now, I would not be surprised if this goes into overtime. I would not be surprised anyway. I think the streak of one goal games ends here. I think Ontario wins by two. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. All right. So the last game is Tacoma at San Diego. Uh, well, you know, here's the thing. I, I would like to say I want to see Tacoma win this. But based off of the way that San Diego has been playing at home as of late, I mean, they had the first loss to Turlock Cal, but since then they played really well at home. And I, I think that continues. I think they'll play good at home. And, you know, I, I think if Tacoma does win this game, I think Danny Waltman's going to have to play really well, and I think you're going to have to see some extraordinary extraordinary play from Nick Pereira and Adam West and the rest of the supporting cast, because as I said, I think San Diego is back to what San Diego does, especially at home, and that's win games. Now, that being said, the one Achilles heel for San Diego has been beginning of games. They start out really rocky. So therefore, if Tacoma can jump up to a one or two goal lead in the beginning and hold on to half, then I say, okay, we have a ball game. But I, I just I don't see that happening. I'm going to take San Diego. I agree with you. And you know, it's the the return of Leonardo de Oliveira for San Diego has been huge. He didn't, yep. now he wasn't there for the first game against Turlock Cal. And since he's been back, he's been on fire. And, and Oh, absolutely. And I think he's on the same line with uh Slovisa. And and you saw like in, in their last few games, you've seen like the chemistry between those two like grow and grow. And yeah, I, I, I gotta be honest, I'm enjoying watching uh, Guerrero Pino. Like, oh, yeah, and I mean, shut down Frank Caillou 
in that yeah. game against Ontario. So I could see Pino going up against like a Nick Pereira and, and, and shutting him down. Yeah, and I mean, it's... Like I said, Nick is going to have to produce something really special in order for Chicoba to win this game. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I don't, I see it being a close game, but I, I just see San Diego pulling it out, like having like an amazing second half and just uh, maybe like a two or three goal victory. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's, I, I see that's where I disagree. I, I, I think San Diego wins by one or two. I don't think it's going to be three or more. I think it's going to be close, but I think it's going to be a case of Tacoma being Tacoma, where they don't know how to properly execute the sixth attacker, and that's where they give up their goal. That's going to lose the game. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, listen, man, I'm going to plan on doing our fantasy picks tomorrow. Shout out to Adam and whoever else wants to do this with us. Uh, please, please post your picks from, uh, what is it, uh, Fridays or Sunday? No, that's yeah. not right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Fridays or Sunday. So, so please post your picks. Don't forget, it's one goalkeeper, uh, two defenders, one midfielder, two forwards and a head coach, and one flex player. So, anybody that wants to do this, please post your fantasy picks after tomorrow's episode. Matt, as soon as I get off here, I'm going to start working on my team, because clearly I'm on a win streak right now of one. Of one? So I want to keep that going, but you know what? It's been fun, and you have a lot of work to do. So I'm going to get off here and let you get to it, because I don't think you're going to beat me. Well, so. well, we'll see. This I've, I've got my team ready. Um, I, had to change, I had to change my team name. Maybe that's my. Maybe that was my issue. So. Oh, yeah? I did. But what, well, is, what is it? I wish I was as good as Jeremy. Is that what it is? No, no, I, I didn't. I didn't change it to that yet. Um, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'm gonna text you mine when I text you my team. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, it's been fun as usual. I loved it, and I will talk to you tomorrow. All right, sounds good. We'll see the. We'll do it tomorrow. All right, buddy. Take it easy. All right, you too. See ya. Bye.